and welcome to Hyperborean Radio. I'm Jeff, that's Ike. Actually, wait, no, the other way around. And we have a very special show for you today. Well, we always have a special show for you every today. Every day. Every day. Well, well, every day that we record. Actually, we have shows every day, but we, we only don't record, record one per week. Yes. <laughs> yes, it's called conversation. It is. But uh, yeah, so usual, get the plugs out of the way first. First of all, thank you to our patron, Big Cheese, who has been a patron for a year now. Without Big Cheese, we would starve. Yes. Everyone has to yes. have a cheese just big enough that you can burrow into it like a mouse. Yes. That'll keep you full throughout winter. Uh, yeah, I think he's been supporting us for what, about a year now? Yeah. So it's it's greatly appreciated. Yeah, and um, if you'd like to join Big Cheese and our other patrons, you can back us on Patreon. You can also back us on Buy Me a Coffee and buy us a book. Uh, you can directly back us on Spotify, and you can follow us on Telegram and X and all the other grams as well. Right. So. Well, and uh, the the perk of following us on Patreon is it's a um, it's a notebook when we think about it, and the other is early access to the the uh, podcast. Sometimes more early than others. Yes. And let's be honest, lately it's been just barely early. <laughs> We're busy, busy. Busy. I mean, life life happens. But we make time for you. Yes. Uh, yeah, I think that's that's pretty much all they ask us and I can handle right now. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> anyways, but, on, to our, on to our topic. Yes. So this is something that's been um, a bit of a hair up my ass for a while, which is why the frick does everyone think we need church? And I've been trying to... And we're not just talking about Christians either. No, because the pagans, well, quote-unquote pagans, keep trying to make one as well. I mean, you got... We the, get it. We, we we get why they're trying to, but it's very confusing for us. So I've... The thing I've mostly come to the conclusion of is there's the reality of it and there's the idea of it. And people really want the idea of it. Mm-hmm. Well, and they're erring into... The reality of it. So, <clears throat> I guess uh, maybe let's start with the uh, with the pagans first. The, what they're after is a hall. This is very understandable. You need uh, well, you don't need a hall, but a hall where people can go get together, shoot pool, throw darts, have conversations, drink whatever. All that's fantastic. Where the mistake is being made is thinking that you need a holy person to be in charge of it which you don't uh, a priest a gothi regardless of what it is that you call them now you're just reinstituting a church our people don't need that and then if we roll off into what christians think the church is or what it is that they try to actually do with it what it is that they lament since people left the church or are began leaving the church they're effectively trying to treat the church like a hall. Yes. Well, they lament the loss of community, the destruction of family. They have, it's much like people on the far left. They have, they notice problems, but their solutions almost always make everything worse. Right. And the reason that they're worried about, like, basically in America, especially, I don't know how it is in other parts of the world because I don't live there. But in America, there is this idea, especially of the 1950s, this very idealized version of the 1950s that didn't exist until the 1980s. It's a product of 1980s pop culture, much like our view of the 1980s is a product of 2010s pop culture. So 
what's happened is there's these all these paintings and pictures and ideas of what life was like in the 1950s and it doesn't agree with the reality but that is what they're attracted to and it's this idea that the father and the mother were in a loving happy relationship and the kids grew up healthy and they went to church every sunday and this and was they met all their friends and they held hands and they sang and they did fun community activities which honestly did happen ish 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 but the the fun communities the getting together with friends Let, let's make it 100% real let's assume that the idea is 100% accurate what about the religion is required for friends to get together to invite strangers to get together with the friends what about the religion as a requirement for people to have fun to have um, conversations to have a softball team because I've actually heard some people lament that they're like oh since the decline of the church what about the church softball team what is required what about a religion as a requirement for a softball team well and what it mostly comes down to is this odd habit we covered it in the last podcast our people have right now of appeals to authority mm-hmm. the belief that there has to be either this central organization or the central figure or this expert that allows these things to happen that without this individual or this organization or institution this will not happen and it's just not the case because our people have had get togethers and community far, far longer than we've had a church. Well, I'm old enough that, uh, I remember going into going into bars with my family. And I think this is actually why the bars came under attack. And I would talk being a kid, you know, it's the, the bar owners because they're small bars. Bar owners would talk to me because I was curious and they just, who doesn't want to let a kid know what it is that you do? And the bartender or the bar owner would be confused because he's like, I sell far more soda and juice than I do beer or whiskey. And yes, talking to like a somewhere between eight and 10 year old kid talking business stuff because people would go in there and they drink soda and they play pool and. They'd have juices or other drinks and some other uh, whatever food he had. And people would just hang out and talk and dance and have fun. It was the hall. Well, the it, bars were the hall. The church was the obligation. Well, it's part of the issue in the modern day is a lot of these things have been compartmentalized. Because like the pub or the bar as the hall is most obvious in like Ireland and Great Britain. Mm-hmm. where it's still the case to this day. Now, granted, pub culture is under constant attack over there, but it is effectively the replacement. Well, you, remo- the you remove the hall. You remove, um, you remove the independence of the people so that they can actually do things. They, oh, well, I'm, you're having problems with your car? I, I'm, I'm not a mechanic, but Richard is. And I see him at the bar all the time. I go, I go to the bar every, you know, a few times a week and hang out. And Richard's, Richard's usually there. I'll let him know, uh, and I can pass on your contact information. Well, what 
what you're effectively describing, what people are actually lamenting, isn't the church. No, not at a- all. Any more than it's specifically the soccer team or the softball team or the bowling team. It's the idea. It To get really technical with what people miss with the church, to use the, the official term that's been coined, is the great third place, mm-hmm. which is basically neither work nor home and a place people can just get to know each other, get to know their neighbors. Right. Well, and most of the... Because I talk to people in real life. You've watched me. I'll just walk right up to a stranger and just start talking to them. And usually, the, like some of the strangest conversations I've had that way, I don't walk up to them and be like, hey, yo, what do you think about, you know, the church? No, I don't do that. Um, it might be a guy that has one leg, and I just get terribly excited. Oh, my goodness. Why does he only have one leg? Can he tell me about his leg? I've never seen that kind of leg before. <clears throat> Uh, you know the the replacement leg, not the. You do find amputees one. very. I do. I don't know why. I have actually seen you get so terribly excited when, and when you missed well, someone with something happened and, and they survived want, it. And you want to know? I want to know. It's sometimes it's something worth worth truly heralding, like they might have lost it doing something heroic. This isn't the case most of the time, but sometimes it is. I've actually met people like that, and it's because I will ask questions. Well, it's, But sometimes these conversations, they go into things like lamenting the loss of the church. I have never heard them complain about losing the priest, losing the, the one- to two-hour sermon that the priest gives that you have to sit through, and then you have to pay for. What they lament is the conversations before, the conversations after they've lost touch with friends because they didn't know where the friend lived, but they met them at church and then they would meet at other places after church. But oddly, for whatever reason, probably due to familiarity, they didn't know where each other lived. Well, and this is the other issue because there are people will point out that there are still these third places, these, mm-hmm. these great third places. And the thing that they've, they forget is this is especially true in America. I know it's a little less true in other parts of the world, but because turnover is so important at a lot of these businesses, you're not supposed to just hang out for like three hours. Right. Like you can't just, and it used to be that you could do that. Like just go down to the, I've been in small towns where that the third place was the grocery store oh, and yeah. people would just hang out and talk diners, um, bars. We've already pointed out libraries i mean the library is probably one of the few places where they're not like get out get out you're too loud <laughs> i mean you, you're too loud they might ask you to leave but basically because there's not really any concern over turnover you can just sit at a desk but then it's right. really hard to have conversation and right. get boisterous i've actually been asked to leave libraries because i spent so much time in there and was talking to a lot of people like I start out with just, hey, how you doing? Something generic. End up talking to somebody. And then next thing I know, there's 15 of us sitting around the table having a fairly animated conversation for hours. And the librarian ends up coming over and asking me to leave because they were cycling in and out. In and out. And I had nothing to do all day, so I'm just sitting there chewing the fat with people all day. Being... As heathen as a heathen can be. Well, and this actually goes into the other element of the church. Because 
What people think the church is, is this great third place. It's the great third place. Mm-hmm. It's the hall. Oh, and it helps people. Yes. It feeds the poor. This is a very common thing that I've heard. It feeds and clothes the poor. Well, I noticed it has a tendency to leave the poor poor, though. Well, it's because the poor are profitable. It's the same reason every charity never actually fixes the problem. Right. I mean, the poor to. themselves aren't profitable, but they... They are the, the product, I, the product that they well, sell. Well, the homeless of New York are a billion-dollar industry. Multi-billion. Yes. So, Just in New York City, by the way. The reason that I wanted to cover the idea of what the church is is for the same reason in Christendom we said that the idea of what Christianity is is a very noble prospect. Mm-hmm. But this is the reality of what the church is. It is a political institution. The church... Across the history of Europe and in America is a political institution. It always has been because its very nature is not based off of it's not even based off of actually the early Christians methodology of how they got together because they didn't get together in a service like this. Mm -hmm. It was a completely different ceremony. It is based off closer to the Roman political system. Mm -hmm. And that is what churches are inherently. Yeah, that's the reality of what they are. This isn't the thing that people are lamenting, though. They aren't lamenting the loss of the political structure. They aren't lamenting the loss of a guy wearing a, a fancy towel rag no, around his neck. What they're, but this is what they're... Like we said, there is the perception and there is the reality. And what you inevitably do when you pursue the perception is you get the reality. Mm-hmm. And what you're getting is a political institution. And part of the issues with the churches, because churches in America have really never had full-on support. When the country was founded, there was only about 17% regular churchgoers. And knowing how most people go to church, probably a good half of those was social obligation and less belief. Yeah. Maybe even two. Probably less than half, but let's be optimistic, and we'll give them 50%, because... 50% 50% is almost never the, the real percentage. Yeah, so that's what, uh, 8.5%? Something like that. Uh, and the, the other 8.5% would go because they felt that they had to because they was nagged into it, so on and so forth. Well, and the methodology of how the church would establish itself in America is, well, not in America, in Europe. In America, too, but in Europe what they would do is they would monopolize these third places. They would find a, a heath, a local shrine. Oh, and they'd just go there and grow. hang out and preach. Oh, yeah, and then they'd get a building up as soon as they could. Mm-hmm. And this is the thing that a lot of people don't understand because of how how our people used to think is so foreign to a lot of people, especially adults nowadays. Someone shows up that looks like you and says, I have a God. He's a carpenter and does miracles. What would an average pagan say? Well, what would our people say? Because... Oh, yeah. Tell me about it. Yeah. I mean, we are curious by nature and we wouldn't think and it's not even presented this way. That's that's the nefarious part. It's not presented as a political maneuvering. They customized Jesus depending on where he was. Like it's notorious that they presented him as a warrior and his apostles were a war band in Germany. Mm hmm. I don't even think they really bothered with him. And then in other areas, he was a great philosopher. Sometimes they didn't even really bother with him. Like, how important is Jesus in Celtic Christianity? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they they got St. Patrick. They got the words. They got St. Patrick opening a door to the realm of Fae and Bridget. All the hundreds of Bridget's is one saint, but 
Jesus is practically nowhere to be seen. Well, and uh, another thing that we tripped across as what the church actually is, is superism. Superism. Uh, Basically, what it was was, and they did this in other places, but it was notorious during the Great Irish Famine, is convert to Protestantism, listen to my freaking rant, and you can eat. Yeah. Or you can die. We will feed you some watered-down soup and a little piece of bread. Because it's a political thing. It, and here's the thing is, doesn't seem anybody's asking, why were they able to provide the soup and the bread? What thievery did they commit to be able to provide this soup and bread in exchange for people converting? Well, Out of desperation or at least listening. Well, and holding food hostage is a really common tactic yes. of... Well, politics, period. I mean, look at when governments get enough power to control Look at what they're doing food. now. Yes. But the church, like, I actually have been wanting to do this for a while where I break down the traditional service of the church, especially the Catholic one, because that's one of the older ones and what I'm aware of. But the Catholics have forgotten what their rituals are for, because the rituals that are part of how the Catholic church functioned well and if you're going where i think that you're going less so the people in the pew forgetting and more so the people doing yes because there is a specific utilitarian reason for most of the rituals that a catholic service has first of all you have getting everybody there so they're more or less have to be there so you have a lot of people the church itself is fairly dimly lit with very specific psychology of crowd yeah, the herd mentality. But this is the other thing that a lot of people have forgotten is the wine used to be good wine. Like get a good sip in your tipsy, like really good mold wine. Mm-hmm. Like you get a buzz just from a sip. And you didn't used to just get a sip. And they yeah, had the you, good you wine. you got a glass or a cup. And then you had good bread, like a full loaf. Sometimes it was freaking meat pies. Which works really good for hungry people. Yes. And then... On top of that, there is the element of when all these people are singing together, there's this phenomenon where your hearts actually start beating as one and it creates a group bonding effect. Yeah, they sync. It's um, it's like the same thing that you see with metronomes. Uh, yeah. Something very similar happens. Yeah, so there ends up being this sort of group identification. And another fun fact, sage is actually a mild hallucinogenic. Mm-hmm. Get you a little high, and if you if you see the old the old ceremonies of it, like now it's barely a wisp. But before they would fill almost the entire chamber with that sage smoke. Now, put yourself in the shoes of someone where the dominant political structure is the church. They have built this incredibly beautiful building in comparison to most of the other buildings you're allowed to have well, because they forced. They it. didn't build it. They they had it built. Yes, they paid us. That's why. Uh, there's people sucking themselves off in the rafters of a lot of Specifically priests or monks. Yes. So they'd hire our people to build it. We would build it because we were getting paid. We'd make sure there was at least one obscene thing in there that they didn't catch a lot of times. And then people would show up because in many cases they had to. And then you have the effect of the group mentality. You have everyone's focused on the same thing. You have the threat if you don't go. And then on top of that, you start associating it with a full belly. You're more suggestive because of oh, the, the and don't sage forget and wine. The, the visuals of 
they would specifically place or orient the church building so that the God rays would come through the windows. Oh, yeah. Um, or in later periods, you then have the stained glass with the same effect, except for now it's colored God rays. Yes. And what ends up happening when is you're, this... when you're well, and the wine too sometimes would have like mushrooms in it. Yes, what it is is it's a brainwashing ritual. Yes, this is what all these customs are. They, they can couch it in Last Supper language all they want. This is a brainwashing ritual. Mm-hmm. The, they are making you content. They are so getting positive association through the combination of the singing to to come back. and the food, the alcohol and the sage smoke. As well as the lighting causes mild hallucinogenic uh, experiences. Comfort and relax. You become relaxed. And, and suggestible. And therefore, yes, more suggestible. And as a result, you end up with people that have odd visions. These are oddly similar to CIA tactics. Well, where do you think they got them? Yes. And the reason I bring this up, and I really started noticing this when there was this... It was, I think, Eastern Orthodox. It was this one monastery in Greece. I forget what it's called. It's the one that no women are allowed in or even on the island. But they have this thing where they'll stare at one of their idols, you know, the, the good old idolatry of Christianity and uh, and the church and breathe in a very specific way while staring at this. And I'm like, you're going to get an Anybody that's op- done breathing exercises should be aware of the effects of doing that. They get an oxygen make you high. They get an oxygen high. And the reason that I find this interesting is because the church has forgotten that's what this is for, because I was on a whim. I looked up my um, the Catholic church I grew up going to, and I looked up the video of the church. First of all, everyone in there is miserable. Uh, It most people are are trying their hardest to not sit near each other. Mm -hmm. Um, And you can even see it because. Most people don't know they're being recorded, so when they walk away and they look uncomfortable from walking up to the front and walk back uncomfortable, it's pretty obvious. So I'm not sure how good of a great third place this thing is. but Sounds like an obligation now at this point. It is an obligation, and at least to the people well, that think it's an obligation. And where the church began to slip was they, just like any government, they started taking it for granted. People have to come to us. Well, no. No, they don't. And so they start uh, cheaping out. Uh, Example, um, shrinkflation. When they forgot the fundamentals of how they work. Mm -hmm. Part of how they work is by convincing everybody that the religion is theirs and always has been. Yeah. Because the church, this church, it's a bit ironic. It's from an area where mostly Germans lived. It's named after an Irish saint, specifically St. Patrick's. And then they have Vietnamese and black people, <laughs> all these diversity things in the mural that, you know, they had their German American. Showing the people that the religion isn't theirs. Like yes. showing it out front and center. Well, and then they they made a really modern building. They put it in the middle of a field that's just barren and dead. And like, yes, in terms of like a building, it's nice. But it doesn't remember why a church is the way it is, why it's set up the way it is. Right. And. The ones that don't have all the psychedelic imagery, that's why they have to get all the power. Well, and the fact that they're dying and have been for a long time shows just how important the religion is. It's not. No. The people aren't drawn to the religion. What they're drawn to is the idea 
of community and the get together. And, and we brought up the 17%. I want to bring up in that same article, it talked about how during the 20th century or the 1900s, church attendance was never higher. And it was only a US. little over 50%, I think. Yeah, yeah. Uh, a little it, over or a little under. It might have been closer to 70. I don't know. I don't uh, know. I want to say statistics. it was like 48 or 49 at the peak, and then it began dribbling back off. But it was specifically right around the same time that I talk about all the time was right around that World War One, World War Two mark is when the, the it start. I'm and I can't prove this, but I'm pretty sure it started on increase World War One, World War One, World War Two specifically mentioned, but I'm sure that the 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 beginning of the increase started World War One because it's fucking horrible. And they're like, we need to turn to God so that this doesn't come back. Why do I know that they said that? I don't. But that's what I would say if I was on their side. Well, and I'd this, be like, oh, this this is why World War One happened. And look how horrible and all the death. And we need to turn to God so that this doesn't happen again. But then you got World War Two happens right on its tail. The peak, most likely 60s to 70s. Well, and then a decline again. Well, and this is the thing a lot of people forgot is the peak is the pe- is the point right before you start going downhill. Right. Well, and and the reason for all that setup is to point out it was right around that same time when the families started falling apart. When the boomers not not, not to go after the boomers, but every, everyone who complains about them, don't forget that the beautiful cute little kids in the 1950s grew up into the hippies. Yes. Those are the hippies. When you look at those innocent little children in the 1950s, those are the hippies from the 1960s. Yes. So if you're going to complain about one, don't forget where they started. The hippies from the 1960s are Joe Biden and... Even John Wayne Gacy was a child once. Yeah. Even John Wayne Gacy was a child once. But these are the people... uh, uh, Shit, I can't remember her name. But these are the politicians... That are in office now. Yes. These were the hippies. And those were the children in the 1950s. And they were also the heads of the 1980s whole go get it culture. Well, and in the 1950s, if you go back and you read stuff from the 1950s, they was complaining about how families were falling apart. And it was then leading into other issues. And that's why we need the suburbs to correct this. So we can keep the family unit together and contained so that they can then have children and then we can breed them with their neighbors and so on and so yeah, forth. It, the free range. It was, a, it was a eugenics plan. Yeah, it was basically America. Around that time, America stopped being the land of the free and started being the land of the free range. Well, and people people also don't realize not only were the churches made um, uh, tax exempt, they were given and still are given federal funding. Oh, yeah. But they require a certain size before it becomes actually profitable. That's what the church actually is. It is. It went actually from where the government was a wing of the church's political uh, um, dominance to now the church is an arm of the government's political arm. Well, the reality is civic nationalism is just secular theocracy. Yeah. And the thing is, in America, and this is true, I'm guessing, throughout Europe again. Don't haven't lived in Europe, so I don't have a hundred percent. But the way that churches work in America is they're ticks. Mm-hmm. 
They're parasites. They don't really pay much back into the community, and if they do, it's so mild, so modest, that it, it may as well not even happen. Now, each of these churches are sending money outside of the community. Yeah. They're sending it That's to... That's what they've always done. They send it to the Vatican. They send it to other churches to get those they started. They send it to Africa, South America. Southeast Asia, India, and everywhere. they do just enough at home to look like they're doing something. They're McDonald's, but they don't even give you a burger. Right. So, anyone wondering... They're McDonald's, but they take the burger. Yes, effectively. <laughs> well, it's... The thing is, the way the church works, and I, I don't want to overfocus on this, but basically what it is, is it gives you nothing. It takes from you everything. It demands you give them power. And then it sends the money somewhere else so that a place that's already struggling financially, like many small towns across our lands are, is getting that much poor every single service. Right. Money is leaving well, the And they love to move into rich areas. And then they start telling people that, the area is rich because of the church. And then as it becomes poor, well, that's because people aren't attending the church. And then when it's poor, poor, they leave. Yep. And just like a stag with too many ticks, the whole thing falls over. Yes. Well, and to get back into what people think the church is, what they're lamenting the loss of, they're lamenting the loss of the children are born and presented to the community. To the group, they they grow. They're they're uh, uh, what what are those things called? The, uh, the stations of, of their yes, the rites, the rites of, of pa passage are celebrated with the community, in front of the community. Uh, the marriages, the deaths, all these things are spent with community. The they get together in one place. They admittedly they go through shit that they don't even like to listen to or participate in just for that sense of community we don't need that basically it's a control mechanism well here we don't need the control mechanism there's nothing stopping us really from getting together and celebrating births and inviting people in the area that we're we might not even know who they are um, but hey you look like a nice fella so and so my friends my cousin whatever just had had a baby and we're having a celebration you want to come by well and our, we don't even have to preach to them well because that undoes the entire purpose well it's even um old movies would sometimes do this where the guy would have the father would find out he's his kid is born and he'd run down the street screaming i have a son or i have a daughter and just stopping people and be like i'm so excited i have a daughter right well and the thing is is there's no reason that you can't invite randos to a cookout well, you, you can't really do that. I mean, what if they're dangerous? This is why you have your family with you. And this just is in case somebody dangerous shows up, you guys can handle it. Well, I mean, if you got, say, 10, 10 people together, friends and family, you, you know, invite three or four others because then you outnumber them. Th this is, assuages the fears of the other. Well, and here's the thing is you'll say that, but then you'll go into a restaurant with a hundred people that you don't know. Yes. And people that you don't know cooking and serving you food. Like if you actually think about it, restaurants are insane because you're trusting like a hundred, 200 people that you don't know to just not poison you. Well, at least two or three of them to not poison you and everybody else to not attack you. Yes. Well, it's like the, the concept with weaponry. 
I now am allowed to carry a knife at work. I don't know why it wasn't in the first place, but fuck it. I am now allowed to carry a knife at work due to religious purposes. And they was all worried about weapons. I'm like, but you wouldn't think anything about me standing behind you with a steel pipe because we work with steel. With this the steel bar with a flat piece of steel welded to it at an obtuse angle. You wouldn't even think anything about it. Why? Because you trust me not to attack you. That would be a much better suitable weapon, uh, a, a much more suitable weapon for attacking somebody than something with a three or four inch blade. Oh, yeah. We work with far more dangerous things than a tiny pocket knife. So is it really that dangerous? It's a method of control. That's it what it is. Fear. Well, most people run on fear nowadays. They make their decisions based on fear. Mm-hmm. They make their relationship decisions based on fear. They make everything based on fear. And this is part of the problem of thinking that you have to be subservient to this other power because I don't think the church has any business getting involved in marriage or births or rites of passage. I understand there are some people with religious beliefs that think otherwise, but I also don't think the government has any business being involved Mm -hmm. in births, marriages, rites of passage. And this idea that you need this go-between for these moments in your life is just silly. Like one of the worst offenders actually is the funeral industry in America. It is one of the most corrupt institutions in the country. And it presents itself as a pseudo holy man. Yes. Uh, As we understand your pain and we will take care of you. Yes. Do you need them? You need our memory picture. (laughs) That is an actual thing they say. Which is, it's insane when you think about it. And, And the thing is, is our people, we do have a draw towards ceremony. But why is it now a specific person and or industry that is responsible for the ceremony? For a wedding, like a, a, an actual wedding, not the legal contract, the legally binding contract that marriage has become, but for the idea, the ceremony of a wedding, a public pairing, of a man and a woman. Why should not the father, the uncle, the grandfather of the of the bride or the groom not stand in just as well for saying, we bring these two families together, yours and mine? Why do we need an ordained priest, somebody who is part of a political organization to oversee this? Somebody who went through the classes, but you see, he's certified. He went through the classes. He paid this money at their school to be able to do it right. Well, what is right? Well, and then let's go even more extreme. What is the point of a third party in a fight? Like, let's say that there are two men. And at a certain point, it got to the point where the only way they can solve their issues is with an actual fight or even a whole family, a Hatfield and McCoy situation. Mm Mm-hmm. What business is it of any third parties that isn't involved? Mm -hmm. Unless maybe they need a mediator. Like, this is war. We need somebody that's not attached to either side. But then they can ask for it. Yeah, but then they need to ask for it. But It should not ever be a requirement. And what two families are at war that involves, that's not political, like, I don't know, the French and the, the English, That would require a third party. And then even then, why would it require a priest 
from a political organization that has pull over both the the French and English monarchs intermarrying to bring peace, right? Would they not be further suited to have Sweden, who's not involved with either one, one of their nobles come and be like, we are witnessing this peace brought together, uh, brought about by this this marriage between these two royal families. But let's be honest, most of us are peasants. What need have we of that? We don't. As a matter of fact, it gets in the fucking way and it costs. All it does is cost us. We can do the same thing without that political organization. Well, the reason we bring up often things like the procession, the gauntlet, uh, all these various marriage ceremonies that used to be a thing, how you were expected to have accomplished a certain level of skill and capability to be able and to maturity. do a thing. To be able to marry, you had to be capable of doing things. Even in America, it used to be like you could not get married as a woman until you had made three quilts yeah. or six quilts or whatever the number was in your area. It, it, yeah, it depended. And all basically right. what it was was, one, it was a show of skill, and two, it was... It's freaking cold in a lot of areas over here. Mm -hmm. So especially before central heating was a thing, the, you need to be ha you need to have at least this many quilts to stay alive. Mm -hmm. And this level of pragmatism is well, just and lost. Really, to stay alive isn't the right terminology. To be comfortable for, comf for comfort. Which this is another thing is men. People will talk about the woman's nesting instinct. Men have a nesting instinct as well, but our nesting instinct, much like birds, is to build the nest. Yes. That's why young boys build so many blanket forts and so many so many well, of tree our tree forts and so on and so on. Oh yeah, well all they're we, practicing. Yeah, they're practicing to build the home for the family down the road. Mm -hmm. Like um, most people, like because I read this actually learning about my own ancestry, my uh, great 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 great-grandfather Godfrey. I'm not quite sure how many greats it is. A while back, I had an ancestor named Gottfried, and he moved to Nebraska from Germania. And unlike most people that just had a normal sod house, which is actually oddly very traditional for us, he could act. He was a trained carpenter. So surprisingly. Yes. Surprisingly very traditional for us. He had yes. a what? He was a trained carpenter, so he actually made a carpent uh, a house of, out of wood. Honestly, I hope he actually did some stuff with sod as well. I don't think he did because, but that's probably why it was stupid freaking cold for him. Probably. It was nicer to have a wood house, like in terms well, of. Well, it looks nice. That's what I mean. Due to the expectations. But on the, on the Great Plains, yeah. Yeah, that's just a lot of holes for the wind to go in. Yeah. But this is something most men used to know how to do. Because I've seen women bitch about that. Why don't men know how to build houses anymore? Well, for starters, instead of just knowing basic carpentry and how to make sure the thing doesn't fall on your head, you also need to know ele advanced electrical wiring, plumbing. I have to have it hooked up to so many utilities. There's so much red tape. Legally, I literally can't. Right. Because there actually was, um, up in the UP, there was a hermit that used to live out in the woods with his wife, mm -hmm. and he built his own house, from what you've told me. Out of firewood. Yes, and then he would expand it with the firewood, and then in the winter, those extensions would become the firewood again. Yes. So there's all these little things that we do naturally that's instinctive, that's controlled and mitigated by this third organization, whether it's the government or the church, which in truth is the same thing because the church is just a form of government. It is a political system. And then 
This is another thing I really want to point out, which is how casually people leave the church. Everyone thinks it's like, oh, I can't stand that they're this awful, or I discovered how horrid they were, or they've cast me out for my whorish ways, or whatever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but a lot of times it's just, no, that's when my tennis practice is. Yeah. It's a really... That's, ca- that, uh, like, it's really become that tenuous because we don't need them. But we we also, what is it? One of the arguments is, well, since everybody's left the church, the morals, the morals have eroded. No, the morals were eroding while the church was at its peak. What we're witnessing is the aftermath of the peak. They did what it is that they're supposed to do. And then they lost control. Well, the because mor- our people really can't be controlled. No, we're too wild. And the thing is, if you actually go back in American history, because you'll point out, people will point out the 1950s, which as the peak, but it was downhill from there. Mm-hmm. There was a brief thing in the 90s, but that was a whole nother deal. But if you actually track it back through history, you, you can choose to start at the Civil War or whenever, but things have been going downhill for a while. Like, I don't think people realize like the Industrial Revolution was a crime against humanity. Mm-hmm. Like, well, I'm fully sanctioned. Yes, it was forced. People were forced out of the countryside into basically hovels mm-hmm. and basically worked ludicrous hours for barely any pay in horrible conditions to get the industries that don't really matter. Right, by the, by the bigwigs. And if you chase back all these bigwigs, they were all terribly Christian. They were all terribly, terribly Christian. Well, and if you and re- why? Because they get the it's a political institution, and they got to meet the other players. Well, it's the same as most organizations: is there are the people in charge who have all the power, and people at the bottom that don't. Mm-hmm. And they treat the people at the bottom the same way most modern Christian hierarchical systems do, which is they are property. Right. They are slaves. They are peasants. They will do as they are said. They are told, I mean. And the thing is, if you read like old essays or old accounts, and you can go back 40 years, 100 years, 200 years, the same issues we're dealing with today were present back then. And actually someone, I think it was, uh, I was reading Wendell Berry, and he actually brought, he had a very good term for this kind of, moralized destruction of one's own people, which is the heaven bent. People are given basic rules at the governing structure of the church. And because so long as they follow these rules or at least don't break them, because there's a difference between following rules and not breaking them, they can go to heaven, which means they can get away with anything else. Mm -hmm. And they will do that. Anything else. Because they're guaranteed a reward at the end. Well, and again, to yank it back, why? Why? What are the rules that say that we need Christianity to do these things that people are lamenting are gone? The extended family. Well, as a matter of fact, the church kind of gets in the way of that. We've done so many things despite the church rather than because of the church. Why do we need a church to start a hurling team? We don't. What we need is to go out to the park, 
play with the hurling sticks in the ball. And when you see somebody, hey, have you ever done this? You want to give it a try? Check this out. It's actually a lot of fun when you get any good at it at all. I'm still learning. So you don't even have to be good. It's like, yeah, I suck. But I saw it on TV and I wanted to learn how to do it. So I'm practicing. Whatever. You just step outside that comfort zone. And you end up doing all these things that everybody is lamenting is gone. Have conversations with people and then you're upholding a moral standard. It's like, no, this, uh, these uh, gay pride parades, they're degenerate because they're doing all these sexual acts in front of children and getting children involved in it or whatever the fuck your, well, your perspective is. Well, you end up creating a moral standard for people to uphold and you don't have to browbeat them. Well, this is the thing is when you start laying down very hard and fast rules or laws, there are two kinds of people, the people that just choose to break them and the people that walk around them. The right. people that follow them usually just end up getting crushed by one of the two. Now, which is why I called it standards or yes. at least that's why I meant to say was standards, moral standards rather than moral rules. Yes. And this is part of what is crushing our people is what are the rules anymore? And what they're trying to do with the church is they're trying to institute a set of rules and a specific way of being that they think they want. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that I think a lot of people don't realize is they don't actually want a church because we brought up how people so casually leave the church. But what about the church cookout? Where, what happened to the church cookout? Can you have a church cookout without a church? No, but you can have a cookout. You can have a cookout at Ted's house. You can have a cookout at the park. You can have a cookout at, at your at your house and holler at your neighbors and be like, hey, yo, I'm cooking hot dogs. Well, and the removal of this, these third places has made it so there's no one. To, it, it's why the social media is so important, because like we found by just talking to someone without, you know, the group thought around them. Most people don't believe or agree with most of the stuff going on, regardless. I yeah, mean, they some will say the things, but they don't actually believe it. All, all you got to do is let them know it's okay. Yeah, well, and that what they're doing is it's the illusion of everyone agreeing with who's shouting the loudest because if people who are shouting the loudest are perceived as the majority and people, by and large, just want to be left alone. So they think if they agree with the majority... They'll be left alone. Mm -hmm. And this has been common for a long time. And what's happened by removing these places, by removing all these options, is by it's much the same way of trying to funnel a lot of mice down one specific path rather than letting them kind of roam free. Mm -hmm. Because once you remove that, it's really hard to get two people talking and being like, this is such bullshit. Why are people doing this? We should stop it or something like that, because. Well, and like the church, for instance, all, all it takes is that one guy standing at the front yelling and screaming fire and brimstone and heaven. And then it gets a couple of the other people to be like, yes, fire and brimstone and heaven is a reward. If you, if you don't do the things that this guy says, then it's all fire and brimstone and eternal punishment. And because the first guy was loud, you got a couple more loud people. And then slowly more and more people join in. They don't even necessarily believe it, but they do it to fit in. Well, it's it's been shown. You get someone doing something. It can be the most ridiculous thing imaginable. 
But enough people will start doing it that people will consider it normal. Yeah. Well, um, uh, one of the social experiments, a group of uh, one person in a room and smoke. And then a group of people in a room and smoke. When you got the group of people in the room, nobody moves. Nobody does anything about it because somebody else will handle it. When you're by yourself, you have a tendency to do something. And it's the same phenomena. Oh, yeah. Well, it's part of the issue with groupthink is there's nothing wrong with having a community. There's nothing wrong with having a group identity. Well, as a matter of fact, it's kind of one of the things that we're pursuing. And even we are lamenting it. There is no group. Well, and I think one of the greatest issues is people have diagnosed the problem, but their solution is based on faulty evidence. Mm-hmm. Like one of my one of the reasons people really want the church back is they believe that all of our traditions are tied up with this. Like people will argue like I've read articles where people will talk about I will tell people about this thousand year old traditional Catholic prayer and they get so excited and I'm just like <laughs> a thousand years for our people is like yesterday. Yeah. We're old. I mean and that's what you have to do is say the words a thousand years to make us register any sense of age with it but if you talk about time periods well that that was like last week man a thousand years sounds like a really really long time but when you realize where we were a thousand years ago it doesn't seem that long ago no but it's like last month but people think it's the holder of tradition because they ingratiated themselves into it they set up shrines. They put up buildings in our sacred groves. They tore down these. They get involved like uh, Lelo Berti, that one uh, traditional game in Georgia that they mm-hmm. play. And the priest is involved, but he's involved in one very small little bit. And you can tell it's more a situation of he insinuated himself into that. Or it's you either get involved in this or we don't get involved with you. Right. That sort of situation. So the expo- or, or let's be let's be more honest. You either let us be involved in your little celebration or we will call the king's men and yep. you won't have a celebration. Yes, but it's it's actually funny to watch these things. Like see the the giant harvest altar that's built in like an English church mm-hmm. or the Lelo Berti uh wine vase that's very clearly based on local paganism. Right. Well, and you don't need the priest for that. You don't need the Bible for that. You don't this is the thing is people are lamenting the loss of the harvest festival altar and throne and everything that goes around it. You, that has nothing to do with the priest or, or the religion of Christianity or a, uh, a book because it's just the holy book. That's all Bible means. None of that. They're lamenting the, because people stopped going to church they thought that they couldn't do this other thing well you can still do the other thing because i had nothing to do with the church anyways precisely and this is the thing is people's idea does not match the reality and it, it comes down to even the most fundamental beliefs in the religion the belief in god mm-hmm. because the christian god what people believe in and what they associate with the church and our traditions and all this has nothing to do at times with 
the Jewish God of the Bible. Now, mm. this is the catch-22, is that is inevitably who they're thinking of just by nature of the religion they claim to be a part of. Right. They are tied to Jesus and Yahweh. There's no getting away from it. That is how the religion works. However, you actually ask people to describe it, and we've gone over this before in Devilish and a few other podcasts, is they end up describing either a completely made-up figure, accidentally describe a heathen god, you know, like when you ask them to describe biblical masculinity, they inevitably end up saying, describing Heracles. Well, but what it is mostly, I've noticed this looking at how most people believe in God with our people, you know, if they're not overly Bible thumping, they end up in this odd category where they're describing what the generic term in paganism would be the river of life. Mm -hmm. It is a non-conscious entity. The stuff stuff is made from. But they've given it consciousness. And this is actually most of the time what they describe when they're writing books or talking about it. God is in everything. And it's like, I don't think you realize how heretical and blasphemous you're being. Mm -hmm. And this is the God they're so attached to. And then my inevitable question is, if this is what you think your God is, why the frick do you care if anyone venerates other gods? Well, let's be honest. Most Hyperboreans aren't attached to that idea. No, they're not attached they're to it at all. They're just saying the things. Well, the moment someone gets old enough to not give a fuck, all of a sudden churches for sinners and I'm going boating. Right. Well, and you got people that are trying to bring the community back together. Head nod, you guys. But be careful not to step into the traps that's been laid. The examples that was given, like, let's use a, uh, what is it, like a Catholic baptism for the child. What it is, it's a naming ceremony. You don't need the guy with the, is it vestments? Yeah. With the vestments. You don't need the special bowl of water. You don't need that ceremony where he says a prayer and he does the cross and he throws water at the, at the kid. You don't, you don't need that part. What you need is the community. And the father, the new father, the new mother, and the infant. Be like, see our baby. His name is. Well, and we went over this. And let people meet the baby. That's really the only part that you need. The rest of it is just imitating a broken system of control. Well, and we've gone over this before. Heathens had, I guess you could call it baptisms, but it was Kinda. just. What it was, was it was ceremonies of celebrating the newborn. And sometimes it would be involve trees. Sometimes it would involve rocks or big stones. Right. So there's nothing wrong with the ceremony. You just got to be careful not to step into that religious section because that religious section is it's a fucking bear trap. Yes. Well, one of my favorites, actually, just to just to throw this out there as a fun fact, is they used to pass children, uh, newborns, I think. I think they had to be a certain age, but. They would get passed through a wolf skin in Poland to show that they were children of the great she-wolf. Mm -hmm. So, which, let's be honest, it, that's more akin to um, the way that it, it was done, still largely is. You get the family get together. You got the, the new kid. And then you, Uncle Bob is going to do this one. And it's just a a ceremony, I guess. It's a fun thing to do that actually has a deep meaning to it. But this time it's Uncle Bob. Next time it might be Aunt Cheryl. Well, and that's the thing is our people do enjoy things like ceremonies and performance and rituals. It's just it's not candles and pentagrams. It it's 
we know them because it's called Easter. It's called Christmas. It's called birthdays. Mm-hmm. It's called graduation ceremonies. And a lot of these, because we've forgotten the point of these things, like the the graduation caps, because school itself, unfortunately, the way it's set up is a form of church. Yeah. Um, the caps that people wear are supposed to symbolize knowledge. And at some point in the last few decades, probably due to movies, people started throwing their caps in the air. Symbolically throwing their knowledge their, away. Yes. Like, this was not originally what the custom was. This wasn't something we always did. But because, much like the church, the regular church with, like, priests and Jesus and stuff, they forgot what their all of their supposed traditions and rituals meant. Well, fuck it. It's just, there's no harm in throwing the, the well, hat in the air. Yeah. Let's be honest. Okay, here's a good example because most people have done this. Ever gone to a county fair? At the county fair, you have, uh, I don't know, the guy that owns Glenn's Market gets up there and he does the opening ceremony for the best cow of the county. And people don't, they appreciate that he's doing this opening ceremony. But they aren't standing around in religiosity with awe and wonder on their face and holding hands and standing around in a perfect semicircle. And oh, they aren't doing that. That county fair is how we do these types of ceremonies. The other stuff that people are, are I, I get it. I understand why they're doing it, but they're just imitating the church, whether it's uh, Eastern Orthodoxy, whatever it is that that had the most influence on their people from these control mechanisms, they are just imitating that, thinking that's what our people do. No, that was thrust upon us to control us. We are more like the people at the county fair with the best pig in the state. Yes, good old Bessie. Everybody appreciates it. Everybody gathers around. Oh, wow, Bessie is so big. She's so much bigger than the other people's pigs. I wonder what they did, what they fed Bessie. Did they massage her daily? Did they feed her special milk? I don't know. And we, we, that is how we do it. it we're, we get excited. There is awe and wonder there, but it is, it's chaotic. It's chaotic like our people. Well, it's part of the reason parades suck now. Yes. They're supposed to be the just. The chaos has been gone and they ordered it. And that's what. Most of these ceremonies, whether it's through the church or through these these people, I'm going to give them credit and say that they're well-intentioned. But they're taking the chaos and putting it in a box. And you can't put us in a box. Yes, because it will kill us. And it is killing us. And it has been killing us. But we're still here. We are strong. We need crawl the fuck out of the box and run around in a circle and go, wee. Well, and the thing with the church is... And I really want to emphasize this is there is the reality and there is the idea. The idea is it's this community center with a holy man that everyone respects where everyone meets and does all the important stuff of their life. And this is the reality. It is a political institution whose rituals are deliberately designed to brainwash you that has deliberately committed some of the most horrific atrocities to our people over the course of millennia now. Like, not the least of which. Like, everyone goes to the witch burnings. That's not even my big...
big one. No, that's actually a small blip. Oh, and yeah, especially because a lot of it was actually political killings. Yes. Like uh, the Knights Templar. Or we want this land and there's a family of, of peasants there. Let us remove the peasants. Well, and that was during a mass psychosis, so everyone was fucking crazy. Then. Well, and the thing is, if you if you want to know the reality of history, you chase the money. These same things, it would be like for the witch burnings. I want your land. I accuse you of witchery. Oh yeah, and then I get you removed, and then now I can buy your land. Yes, it's much like for pennies on the dollar. Well, the church would deliberately put people in positions so they could get land. There's a reason there's a bishop on a chessboard. It ain't because they were shooting holy beams of light. Only at at forty five degree angles. But what it is is. This is the one that always sticks with me of the things they've done. The Irish children in the sewers, dead. Because they even try to claim that's that was just a graveyard. No. Oh. And they claim that as a graveyard because these Irish children were removed from these pits and sewers. And then they were placed in a cemetery. And now the apologists... The, the people trying to claim power for themselves are like, oh, these children are in a graveyard. What do you call that? A graveyard. No. They was dug out of a fucking pit, out of a sewer. They was thrown in a sewer. This was the church that did it. It was nunneries, orphanages run by the church because they'll be, no, uh, it was orphanages run by the fucking church. This both is- the Catholic and the Protestant churches were both guilty of this. Well, and this is the thing. This is the fundamental flaw in the entire argument. Not just of our people need a church, whether it's the Asatru, the Wicca, the Dr- I don't know. There's a lot of weird churches popping up. There's one about aliens in Slavia right now, um, not counting Scientology in North America. But the church is an enemy of our people. And not because this is the Dogda versus Jesus or the angels versus the dwarves or whatever, but because People that have converted, people that are considered Christian, they've accepted Jesus Christ even if they think he's like, I don't know. Uh, well, wa- even if they don't think they exist. Or even if they have a very odd idea of him, like he's got seven horns and a purple tongue or something. Or, I don't know. He, people he has everything that is good. It, it doesn't matter. Because they just wanted to kill us. Mm-hmm. They're going to... They open up an orphanage. People drop the kids off. To, they trust them to take care of them. They clearly have enough resources and money because you can have an entire country in famine and somehow they're getting food. Yeah. But they're killing our children. There's no... They're rel- selling them off to prostitution. They're selling them off to slavery. There's no... what. There is no excuse for this. There's no, this is a religious war. This is an extermination of a people. And always has been. This is not a religious war. The reason they destroy our gods is because they destroy us. Mm -hmm. It's the groves were graveyards. Well, they destroy our gods because they demand that we kneel. Our gods demand that we stand. Yes. The only gods that truly care enough about us, regardless if you consider them freaking Figments of imagination are our own gods because they tell us to be strong. They tell us to stand up. They tell us not to kneel and kiss boots. And they can't have that because this is the reality that everyone who 
talks about the church and how we all need to go back to the church and everyone should go well, back to the church. Can't we just get along? They are demanding submission. In fact, this is what they're demanding because our people will so casually leave the church. Our people will naturally not even go to church. Our people, when left to our own devices with the church out of the way, go back to heathenry so freaking quick it would make your head spin. Unintentionally, they don't even know what they're doing. Is They are demanding a totalitarian, authoritarian state that forces you to go to church under penalty of pain and torture and death. That is the only way you could force our people to go to church. And when they say people have to go back to church, we need to go back to Christianity, all these things. That is what they're demanding. Well, and here, here's something. I'm going to get political for a second. Currently, right now, you can see where politicians and even church heads are saying there's too many English in England. There's too many Irish in Ireland. There's too many Germans in Germany. There's too many French in France. And people's like, oh, no, this is new. No, you can read the exact same thing written from like 1100s, 1200s, 1300s, 1400s, all the way to now. This is nothing new. All these dirty peasants on my land, said the bishop. Well, and the thing is, they, they want to get rid of the natives. They want to get rid of us. They want, they just want to get rid of us. They don't count themselves as us anymore. They are something else. And there are too many French in France. We need to get rid of them so that I can move in my people, whether it's, whether it's Jews or Africans, which is now, um, whether it's moving Germans into France, whether it's moving English into France. Whatever, there's there's just too many French in France. There's well, too many Germans used... in Germany. There's too many English in England. This is not anything new. It's been a war against our people since the beginning. This isn't a religious... The church was just the flog that they used. This isn't a religious war. It's a war of extermination. Right. Well, on that note, um, we got things that we got to do, so I'm going to wrap this up by saying I hope everybody enjoyed this conversation. I did, especially towards the end when I start opening up. Um, but yeah, um, see you guys in the next one. Well, and I'll just give the same challenge I do every time I bring this subject up. If you want to see what our people actually are versus what the church does, do the stuff that you think is Christian and remove all the Christian stuff. Usually you end up with the Jehovah's Witness. And if you want to see what the church does for our people or does for people, take us out of the equation. What is Christianity in Africa? What is Christianity in India? What did they build? Not stuff we built for them. What do they build? What does it do for them? What is it? Look to that. Don't look to the buildings that we built for it. Look to what it is on its own.